people know what they need to eat. People know that eating chips, cookies, French fries, it's not healthy. It's not lack of knowledge why people don't eat healthy. It's their mind. It's their mindset. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. V. Welcome back to another episode of Office Visits with Dr. V, where my whole goal is to help you be happy and healthy. And, you know, we've gone through all the lifestyle pieces, but, you know, really the reason I started this podcast is because I wanted a place for people to come where they can get reliable medical information from someone they trust. And so I am bringing you a guest today she is called the plant-based md and she knows everything plant-based but she's also an internal medicine physician she practiced as a hospitalist and so she's actually taking care of patients and so we're going to be talking about today plant-based diets versus some of the weight loss drugs that we're um, hearing about that are so popular can we get the same um, effects from these weight loss drugs as we can from a plant-based diet and two what should we do how exactly should we be approaching weight loss so without further ado i'm gonna welcome she goes by dr judy welcome dr judy hello dr b i'm so happy to be on your podcast hello everyone listening yes 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 i'm glad to have you here uh first first things first we just want to give a little bio in your own words really briefly if they look you up on social media they'll know you're a superstar but you go go ahead sure thing so to everyone listening so i'm dr judy i am a board certified internal medicine and lifestyle medicine physician i've been in practice for about just over a decade primarily in a hospital setting but i've also done primary care I also am a business owner and I have a lifestyle medicine company that at one time was providing lifestyle medicine consults for patients as well as health coaching. And then we transitioned to providing group programs where we work with women to help them to transition to a healthy plant-based diet. They've been able to improve blood pressure, lose weight and improve their diabetes. I also do speaking and I also have a day job now where I kind of work remotely. So I do a lot of different things. And we will definitely give your website and your uh, contact info because I can see people wanting you to come uh, speak at their events or also just, you know, to touch base with you on the services that you offer. So um, first things first, uh, for anybody who's new to the podcast, she mentioned lifestyle medicine. Both Dr. Judy and I are board certified in lifestyle medicine. And lifestyle medicine is simply a, a newer branch of medicine that uses your lifestyle to manage, treat, and prevent disease. So that is the definition. Um, we do believe strongly in a whole food plant-based diet, um, but we do not say you cannot eat certain things. So Dr. Judy, before we get started, tell us exactly you know, what a plant-based diet is. So that's a great question because there are the terms vegan, vegetarian, plant-based mm -hmm. that are thrown out. And people often ask, well, what's the difference? So I think of it as there's a plant-based diet, which is an umbrella, but you can have different dietary patterns under that. So a general definition of a plant-based diet is a diet that's predominantly 
plants, so fruits, vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts, and seeds. And if you ask 10 people, they would have a different definition as far as what percentage of animal products can be included in a plant-based diet and still consider yourself plant-based. So that's why some people like the term plant-based because it's a bit more flexible than the term vegan. I would say a vegan diet is a type of plant-based diet, but it's the most strictest and it's also an ethical stance. So people become vegan because ethically they believe there's something morally wrong with killing animals for our human consumption and using them in human consumption in any form, whether it be using leather, eating honey, or even anything that use an animal in the byproduct and the production of it, a vegan would not consume. So their main motivation is not for health. Whereas people that are plant-based, they're eliminating a majority of animal products primarily for health. And when I say animal products, that means anything that came from an animal. So meat, milk, dairy, cows, milk that's used to make cheese, yogurt, all of that is considered animal products. And so under plant-based, you have vegetarian, which there's different types of vegetarians as well. There's... um Lacto over vegetarian. I always get them too confused. But lacto over vegetarian, I think they eat milk and eggs, whereas <laughs> over vegetarian eats eggs, if I have that correctly. So you yeah, just have vegetarianism. <laughs> <laughs> but people like to get caught up in labels sometimes. And yeah, oh, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan. And I think the bigger picture is that we know that the diet in America is an unhealthy diet that tends to be heavy in processed foods added sugars and animal products. So any way that you can reduce those foods that are inflammatory is going to be beneficial for your health rather than focusing on a label and thinking that, oh, I have to be vegan or I have to be fully plant-based is my approach. Which let me add the the full name, whole food plant-based. Um, so basically... I, I like to also add that whole food plant-based diet is looking at eliminating processed food. So if it was made in a factory somewhere, that's processed and there are different levels of processing of food. Um, but essentially, um, uh, gosh, what's the guy's name? Michael, whatever, whatever. Gregor. Thank, no, 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 not Michael Gregor. Um, Michael Pollan. Yeah. Eat, eat, eat real food, mostly plant. But mostly yeah. plant. And I like how he says, if your grandma wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is, I mean, or your great-grandma would recognize it. Then it's probably over-processed. It's probably highly processed. So, you know, going back to your example of vegan, you know, a vegan potentially might eat a plant-based meat like um, Beyond Meat or Impossible Meat. But that is also processed. So, um, you know, it was made in a lab. And, and I've eaten it, and it is tasty. Um, but again, it's processed. And and one thing I like to discuss with people is that I love the word leaning. Like we're leaning into this. You know, when we got our certification, they say 95% plant-based. Um, but, you know, I'm 65, 75%. If we are improving our diet, if we're adding more vegetables, uh, we're adding more whole grains, more fiber, which we are like deficient in uh, on the uh, American diet, then we're winning. So leaning into it is, is also something that is, um, I think, should be applauded. Yeah, I like that. And I've heard some people say plant-forward diet. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. I like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the whole food plant-based. Yeah, that's a type of plant-based diet. That's probably the more stricter one, I guess, compared to vegan. Yeah. How could I forget the whole food yeah. plant-based? That's the one that I advocate for and we as lifestyle medicine providers go for. Yeah. I mean, I think whole food plant-based cuts out, aims to cut out processed food, right. um, added sugars. So yeah, this this variation. Ooh, the added sugars. Well, look, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about so highly processed foods increase our cravings and they don't necessarily make us full. And so that's a good segue into these weight loss drugs. Um, currently there's a lot of shine on um Ozempic and Wagovi, which the generic name is uh semaglutide. Earlier there was Manjaro. Uh, Ozempic and Manjaro are specifically, you know, indicated for type 2 diabetics. Um, Wagovi is um, for obesity and chronic. Um, it's for chronic management of um, obesity. So they're, it's helping you lose weight. And these drugs are very, very popular, especially now that you say you don't have to have type 2 diabetes. So the indication is if you are obese, which means you have a body mass index, BMI, above 30, and I believe 27 as well is included. So um, tell us, you've helped people lose weight um, with your uh, holistic lifestyle medicine approach. Um, and I know that, which I love about you is that you say it's not one size fits all. Um, so it's not all diet. Maybe you do need some medication. So just tell us generally how you approach weight loss with your patients. Yeah, sure. And the BMI of 27 is if they have all the chronic medical conditions. Thank you. So obesity is, um, very complex and I'm glad that there are drugs now in the market that are getting recognition to treat obesity and we're recognizing it as a chronic medical problem and the treatment of obesity has to be a multi-modal approach so to speak there's yeah. not one thing that's going to treat obesity for everybody and I believe in having access to all of the tools in the toolbox and making an individualized approach to that particular person but without a doubt. I think we all know and agree that a large portion of what's contributing to obesity is the food that people are putting in their mouth. Right. Now, why are they putting those foods in their mouth? Do they have increased appetite? Is it a hormonal issue? Are there genetic components that affect their hunger levels and their hormone levels? Um, do they have access adipose tissue? Um, you know, so there are other reasons, and I really don't like that term that says eat, what does it say, eat, eat better, move more, or something like that. And it, I think it oversimplifies obesity and makes it seem like everybody that eats healthy and everybody that exercises will lose weight. But people that work with patients with weight know that there are some people that won't lose all the weight that they want to or need to by diet alone and those people will need medication and I'm, I believe that that is okay 
But I do think that sometimes we overfocus on medication. Like we kind of want to skip the lifestyle part and that's the problem. That's where my brand, the plant-based MD comes in because my whole thing is food first. We eat three times a day. So that should be the main first line of defense against chronic disease. The things that we're doing three times a day. A large portion of our society is focused around what we eat. If you think about it, when you go to a funeral, party, dinner, everything involves food. So until you address our thought patterns around food, I think there's a lot of mindset shifts that need to take place. Everything starts in the mind. So um, to target obesity, it's not just prescribing a drug. It's not even just saying eat plant-based. People need coaching to work on the mindset. Like, what are your triggers? When do you find yourself creating sugary foods? Is it when you're stressed? Is it particularly, you know, when you had a long day at work and helping you to reframe your thoughts around food instead of thinking this chocolate cookie will make me feel better, so let me eat it. Maybe reframe your thoughts and think, oh, okay, I can actually feel better by eating fruits and vegetables because I will have more energy. And I won't have like that fatigue that you get after you eat. You do know what I mean? Yeah. So I think creating spaces where people can not feel shame for being overweight because there is some fat shaming that occurs in the healthcare system. Patients often are very sensitive about their weight and it's a very sensitive topic and they do feel like they are fat shamed. So I think as providers, we definitely have to be empathetic about it. And that's where I would kind of start empathy from the provider and then from the individual having a multi-specialty approach. They need a health coach, they need a physician who's knowledgeable and experienced in obesity medicine and lifestyle medicine. They need a nutritionist who can help them to eat healthier. And they also need to be in a community that is encouraging those healthy patterns. And you know that it's easier to switch to and make better, healthier choices when you're around people that also support those habits. You know what I mean? Like right. if you're a family and they're, there's a lot of peer pressure to eat unhealthy if you think about it. Like you have to really be against the grain to eat whole food, plant-based. You think about when you go to a party, there's junk food. And what do they say? If you say, no, I'm going to have a salad. I'm going to not eat the fried chicken. I'm not going to eat the cake. They're like, come on, girl, it's a party. It's just one piece. So you have to really internally be strong and really have a mindset right. to resist because most of the forces I feel in society are geared to help you to eat unhealthy. Oh, yes, especially in America, especially in America. Um, I, I will say we're taping this on a Sunday. I, my office is upstairs and downstairs is Sunday dinner going on with my family. I have tried my best to introduce plants. They ain't having it. <laughs> so community is important, I think, especially when you're just trying to reach any goal, when you're trying to make a change. Um, I love the mindset piece. I love the mindset piece that you're referring to because if you just stop and think, why am I eating the cookie and get in touch with your feelings, then that can help reframe um, your eating. And so we really want to deal with the emotion and, you know, put the cookie down if we can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can't put the cookie down. Um, you mentioned the multidisciplinary team um, that 
that you might have to have for weight loss. And you men mentioned obesity medicine. Now, I know there are probably some primary care doctors who are uh, prescribing these medications, um, but obesity medicine, you know, as you alluded to, obesity is a complex medical condition. So what would be the advantage of seeing someone who's actually certified in obesity medicine versus going to your primary care doctor? Sure. So I'm internal medicine and I've done primary care. So I know what primary care entails. I've also done, just for your viewers, lifestyle medicine and did the certification. And I've started the training for the obesity medicine. So I've done like two of the courses. And the information that I learned in the obesity medicine courses was not covered in any of my internal medicine training, nor was it covered in the lifestyle medicine training. So I know for sure that you will get an added level of expertise that you may not be getting from your primary doctor. So I would just say um, if your primary doctor is experienced in obesity, you know, they are attending conferences or doing like the CMEs on it, there's information that they can learn on the other They don't necessarily have to have the full obesity um, certification, but definitely having that awareness to the fact that obesity is a chronic disease, which I think previously we didn't really think of it as Not a chronic disease. We kind of really thought of it as people are overweight because they eat too much and they don't exercise. Whereas now, you know, we're really acknowledging that there's different reasons that play a role in excess weight, you know, physiologic reasons why yeah. some people really mm -hmm. do struggle with losing weight. So that's why I think the individual has to take ownership and seek out providers that are going to be, I would say, experienced and comfortable with treating obesity, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I found when I was doing primary care too, that people were very sensitive about their weight. If I touched on their weight, almost like they were offended, like, you know what I mean? So I had to really kind of tiptoe around it so to speak. So I'm sure that it's not, it's not really addressed oftentimes in clinic visits, I don't think. Yeah. The aid of a well woman visit for me, so as an OBGYN, that is something that I, t I try to touch on, especially if we can see a big trend. Like last year you weighed X so you have gained 10, 15 pounds. Like we can't do that every single year and trying to get to the root of what's going on. Um, there are some gynecologic conditions that contribute um, that are because of obesity, like heavy, painful periods. If you lose like 10% of your body weight, your periods will get lighter because of the hormone estrogen. Um, PCOS, that's another one. Oh my gosh, women are trying to lose weight. They're doing everything I've said. And it's the insulin resistance that is kind of working against them. So, um, I think that we as clinicians need to, A, understand how obesity contributes to disease, but also understand, you know, the factors that go into obesity. I was just doing, a, um, you know, a CME uh, and learning about obesity. I was surprised to know that the adipose tissue, they like secrete these um, markers or um, I, wanna, I don't oh, know yeah. if they're hormones, but the actual fat is not just sitting there, like it's sending signals back um, to the body. And so I think that's why these medications, um, why these medications for some are going to be helpful, because if you got a lot of adipose, 
it is actually working against you. Um, so briefly, from what I know about these medications, um, the side effects, um, when I'm sorry, not the side effects, but the way it works is it helps, you know, produce insulin. It also delays the emptying of your stomach. So you feel, um, you don't, you don't feel hungry. So it delays, decreases your appetite. It can also reduce your craving. So um, do you have anything to add about the weight loss drugs and maybe kind of some of the things you've seen? Yeah, some people will continue to have cravings because of the physiologic factors as far as adipose tissue releasing hormones and cytokines. But that's the nice thing about these drugs is that they can help suppress your appetite. And some people on a whole food plant-based diet will not feel full. They will not feel um, satisfied after they eat. And you can tell them to eat more fat, more protein, more healthy fats, more protein to help them to stay full longer. And they will still feel hungry, still have those cravings. So that's one way that those drugs do help those patients to not feel hungry all the time. Okay. So the medications are effective. They do help people lose weight. On a plant-based diet, though, um, how can we reduce our cravings and how can we feel fuller? By eating more protein and more fat, healthy fat. So avocados, nuts, and seeds are good sources of healthy fat. I know that there is some conversation around a whole food plant-based diet that is extremely low fat. But I find a lot of people feel hungry when they are limiting fat to that degree. So I don't recommend no fat and actually... For someone who's trying to lose weight, eating fat can help you to feel full so that you're not feeling as hungry. Right, right. So you need fat and you need protein. And what about fiber? Yeah, fiber helps you to feel full as well. Um, so, you know, at least 20 to 40 grams a day of fiber. That helps to keep your GI tract moving, helps to keep you regular. Fiber is really important as well. And I will just give a plug. Um, I have taken Dr. Judy's course. She goes through a plant-based diet and talks to you about the proteins and carbohydrates and educates you on a deeper level. So we're going to pause right there. You're going to tell us how they can get that information at the end. Um, one thing that I think helps also to reduce your cravings is um, getting rid of all of the refined sugars in your diet. Um, because I just feel like, um, for lack of a better word, it's like crack. Sugar can be like crack. And it's like the more you eat, the more you want. Um, and so usually that's um, in the processed form. Um, and so trying to um, reduce that is really good. But your taste buds, they've got to make that adjustment because it can be hard uh, to get rid of sugar. Um, you have any tips on how to get rid of sugar um, out of your diet? So one of my favorite books on Creating New Habits, Atomic Habits, um, is really good. And in my course, I talked a lot about principles from that book as well as mindset because people know what they need to eat. People know that eating chips, cookies, yeah. french fries is not healthy. It's not lack of knowledge why people don't eat healthy. Exactly. It's their mind. It's their mindset. So that's why the first place that we have to go is go deeper than the surface and find out is there... For example, childhood trauma, other traumatic adulthood experiences that that person has had whereby they self-soothe by eating food. So there's so much beneath the surface that we're really not touching on. We're not touching on it when we just prescribe someone a weight loss drug. We're not touching on it when we just talk about weight in the clinic, but we don't really address their mind. People that are overweight 
see themselves as overweight, like people that have been overweight their whole life. And so they have to start seeing themselves as not being overweight before they can even begin to believe that it's possible to lose weight. Otherwise, they will continue to see themselves as being overweight. They will continue to engage in behaviors that people that are overweight more likely will engage in, if you know what I mean, like eating certain yeah. things or maybe yeah. exercise it. So it takes a lot of mindset work, changing your mind about what you believe about yourself, your relationship with food, mindful eating. So I spent a lot of time and years giving people information, but as a result of the course that I had last year, I realized people have information. I gave them all the information. <laughs> the mindset piece was really what they needed more. And so I started to focus more on that, you know, with the second time that I did the course, because they were like, Dr. Judy, I know I shouldn't have eaten these chips, but I did it. And I was just like, and they were feeling so bad and so guilty. So that's the most important thing, I would say, the mindset piece, mindful eating. Like we are so busy in society that we don't even pay attention to our thoughts and our feelings. So we just eat instead of thinking, okay, how do I feel right now? Okay, when you're craving something like French fries, how do I feel? Like, do I feel happy? Do I feel sad? Am I a little bit anxious about something? Am I feeling stressed and I want to feel better with food? Because like you say, sugar, fat, and salt is like crack. It's literally addictive. And this, the companies that make the food know this. They yeah. usually put sugar in so many foods that do not need sugar in it. And it's geared to keep you hooked. Yeah. So you have to literally fight the system to eat healthier in America. And the food in Europe, for example... And other countries is different than America. There's different regulations of what they allow in America. Even ketchup, Colts ketchup in the UK is different than America. In America, it has high fructose corn syrup. In the UK, they have regulations around the use of high fructose corn syrup. So I think it has sugar or something like that. But I've lived in the UK. I was over there for a month before and visited a lot of times. And it tastes different. The, the, the ketchup doesn't taste as sweet over there as it does here. Even in Africa, when I went to Tanzania and Kenya, even there, the ketchup doesn't taste nearly as sweet as it does in America. So people really have to kind of be more mindful about what they're eating and change their beliefs around what is normal. And just because something is normal doesn't mean that we should be doing it. Right. Like it's normal to eat meat. With your meal, we know we think a plate of food is inadequate if it doesn't have meat in it. But that's really actually not the way it should be. Right. And and you talked about other countries. Their their meat is their side, where ours is our entree. Um, so right. and and they they're not as sick as sick as us. Um, you so, ladies and gentlemen, if you detect an accent, she does have a little bit of a, an accent. So she. She's from Bermuda. So she's from Bermuda. She's not from America. So, and if you go on her Instagram, her mom still lives there. And, you know, they have mango trees and they're just like eating all of this healthy stuff. Tell us from an outside perspective, kind of what you just did. Like, how is it different for you growing up in Bermuda as opposed to America? Well, unfortunately, Bermuda has now become a lot like America. The obesity, yeah, it's become very much like America, unfortunately, with fast food and obesity rates just skyrocketing. But growing up, 
the culture was not centered around fast food. It was centered around cooked meals at home and um, more fruits and vegetables. And then also I am, I grew up in and I'm still a part of the Seventh-day Adventist faith community, which encourages a vegetarian and plant-based lifestyle. So we never grew up eating red meat, shrimp, and my household, we ate white meat a few times a week. We ate a good bit of cheese, milk, and eggs though, however. But I do think that Caribbean cultures tend to be more embracive, tend to embrace, um, Caribbean cultures tend to embrace more of a holistic lifestyle a little bit more um, as far as like herbs, natural remedies. Right. But the U.S., Nowadays, people are looking more for natural remedies, more than they did maybe 10 years ago. People are searching for natural ways to treat yeah. disease. Yeah. So people are interested in this information. They're hungry for it. So they're seeing naturopathic doctors. They're seeing chiropractors who are more holistic. So that's why, you know, I, I'm so glad that there are more physicians that are getting certified in lifestyle medicine. Yeah. And really, my view is that lifestyle medicine is the way that medicine should be practiced. It should not need to be a separate specialty. Like medical students and residents should be learning the importance of nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress reduction, social connections, and avoiding risky substances. They should be learning that these things are powerful instead of it just being like, oh, tell your patient to eat healthier. And they may do it, they may not. But, you know, at the end of the day, you prescribe a medication. Give us some studies, right? Give us the tea. Um, I, you all, she just listed um, the pillars of health from lifestyle medicine nutrition, physical activity, stress reduction, sleep, um, so healthy relationships, and reducing uh, risky substances. I like to throw the last one in there. This is my plus one um, purpose, fulfillment, because um, I think that helps um, to contribute to a, a well rounded life. Um, lastly, I will say, you know, cause we're kind of focusing on these weight loss drugs that, and I, I have a friend who's actually on it and she first started it and <laughs> she really wasn't losing any weight. And, you know, she's paying a hundred dollars per injection because they can't find the medication or whatever. I don't know, but a hundred dollars per injection. It wasn't until she added, um, the lifestyle piece, um, that she did seem to, get some benefit. Um, so I would just say, I think that, um, you're going to have to do the lifestyle piece. Anyway, you were talking about how we should, it, it should just be the way we practice medicine. Like they teach us, okay, somebody has high blood pressure, diabetes, or high cholesterol. You tell them, I'm going to give you three months to change your lifestyle. We don't give them any information, no plan, maybe a nutrition referral, maybe. Maybe. I don't think most people doing that. But, you know, it's kind of like, all right, it almost feels like we don't want them to win. Because if you really want me to to lose weight, then you would support me. I mean, if you really want me to change my lifestyle to treat these diseases, you would support me. So, And health coaches really need to be a part of primary care. I've done, yeah. I probably have to some yeah. motivation yeah. interviewing training yeah. to figure out how to get people to change their behaviors. But a health coach really can hone in on what I've spoken about previously as far as the mindset, the feelings, the beliefs that they're having. Yeah. And coaching is essential. And so you, for the viewers, you cannot just go to your primary care doctor and expect to get everything. 
You cannot. Maybe if you're going to a DPC where the visits are longer, but in a 15-minute visit, you're barely scratching the surface. That's enough time to get your prescription refill. Make sure your blood pressure is not too high. Get some blood work, but you're not going to be getting below the surface on your belief patterns, your thoughts, your connection, your relationship to food, what you associate food with. And I think a lot of people are dealing with food addictions and they're self-soothing with food to make themselves feel better, either because emotionally something is, I don't want to say off, but they're dealing with things emotionally and mentally that they're not able to talk about. Wow. Woo! So, y'all, if we don't take anything from it, mindset. <laughs> that you, especially if you're overeating, you're emotionally eating, there is something below the surface that is driving you to do that. So um, you mentioned DPC, direct primary care. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about what that is because they might want to seek out a DPC doctor. I love the DPC primary care model. Direct primary care takes out the middleman, which is the insurance company. It's cash base. The visits tend to be longer. The physicians take on a smaller panel of patients. I, I'm not going to say the number, how many patients you have in a regular practice, but it's thousands. Not, yeah, it's not good. It's a lot. Yeah. So DPC typically will have a much smaller patient panel than that. You have more access to your doctor. Oftentimes you may either have the phone number and um, access to email them. So there's definitely a lot more access a lot more personalized intimate care and the visits are longer, usually like 30 minutes to an hour. Most people have um, definitely something to look into. If you're someone that has a lot of chronic medical problems and you're tired of having to go back to the doctor for a 15 minute visit every three months or every month, you go to one DPC visit, it's 30 minutes or whatever that clinic has their visit set up as, and you can address the problem in one visit instead of having to come back. That was one thing I didn't like about primary care. I felt the visits were too short and they had to come back and start the story again. I have this very disjointed. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So, um, gosh, we've talked, I hope we've exposed people and taught people about obesity medicine, direct primary care. Um, I love that, you know, obesity is multifaceted. Um, It's not just eat less, move more. there are lots of tools that you can use, but I think what you have really kind of, I guess, sent home is that, you know, the patient is really, there's definitely a role for the patient in this process. It's not just the medications um, that you can give. It's, it's seeking out the right providers that can help you, the right uh, team of folks to help you with weight loss. Um, and look, as a perimenopausal woman myself, try to lose weight. I'm just telling y'all, it is, it, it is a process and you do need support. So um, Dr. Judy, um, any last words, uh, any last nuggets you want to leave with the listeners? Sure. So what I want to leave with the listeners is making healthier lifestyle changes. It's not easy. We acknowledge that. It takes time. So give yourself grace. And I like to use a method um, where you pick one thing and work on that for 21 days. So like, say you're eating, let's say you're drinking soda every day. So instead of drinking soda every day, say, I'm only going to drink soda on Monday or only on Wednesday or something like that. But it has to be a specific amount that you're going to cut it back by 
and you're going to do it for like a week or two, but you get to choose, but you have to be in the driver's seat. And what I really want to empower people to do is to start seeing themselves as I would say, as God would have us, as God sees us, as beings that are capable, that are energetic, that are vibrant, that are really living our best life. I think it starts there. If you start seeing yourself in a different way, instead of seeing yourself as this overweight, sick person who Mm -hmm. everybody in your family has diabetes, so you're going to get it. Like that mindset has to change Mm -hmm. first. So seeking a health coach, a holistic-minded physician, lifestyle medicine physician, and if you're a believer, praying and asking God to help you and give you the willpower. Amen. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Why can you do it? Okay. He can work yeah. miracles, okay? He can part the Red Sea. He can save Daniel in the lion's hand. He can help you overcome food addictions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what you have, have highlighted also is that the, the system is really wired to keep you hooked to the system to keep you paying absolutely and so i i don't know for me once i know that somebody is subtly trying to to get me to do something i feel like it's an attack you know like and and it it gives me energy to like want to fight back so Mm -hmm. yeah we can fight back with our food choices absolutely especially for people of color who often are marginalized by healthcare system there's healthcare racism medical racism and healthcare disparities sorry yeah. Uh, we often don't want to go to the doctor, rightfully so. But by eating more of a whole food plant-based diet, you take back some of that ownership and you're basically fighting back against a system. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, I don't want to say want you to fail. That sounds negative, but that's how I feel. <laughs> I like this. There's someone's people don't call it to fail. <laughs> okay. I-, I need to wrap it up here, but yeah, it's, um, sick care, not health care. Like if people are healthy and well, then, you know, the dollars are lower. So, yeah, I hate to say that too, because, you know, we both are in. Yeah, I hate people. it. Yeah. But honestly, I, I just feel like if we really wanted people to change their lifestyle and get off of medication and not need surgery, then there would be certain things that we would be taught in medical school, certain systems that would be in place. Um, health coaches would be in every clinic, you know, nutritionists would be in every clinic, you know, but that's not how the system is set up. But shopping for another day. Um, uh, Dr. Jenny Brainman, how can we get in touch with you, work with you, see you? Sure. So you can reach out to me. I am on all platforms at the Plant Based MD, Facebook, Instagram. And my website is theplantbasedmd.com. I have my current services there. You can put in your email in my website and I'll send you my free guide, Seven Biblical Reasons to Eat Healthy. And also recently started a YouTube channel, so you can find me on YouTube too. I have videos on there and I have a video with you on there actually. Yeah, so check that out. Yeah, we talked about uh, GYN issues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that there are some medical folks that do listen. So you do have a lifestyle medicine entrepreneur um program as well is that correct and your course yeah. your course yes nutrition yeah so i have my course plant-based eating 101 um planning to relaunch that and it's going to be slightly different but it will incorporate more faith and purpose into it, spirituality 
And I recently started coaching doctors on launching lifestyle medicine businesses because the more of us that are doing this, like how you have your own business, I have mine, the more people that we can reach in ways that the traditional clinic visit cannot reach, right? There are some people that will never want to really go into a clinic. They won't, they don't like seeking healthcare, but if we make it accessible to them, by creating online courses, programs, doing telemedicine, virtual visits, more people can have access to care. So I am a marketing and social media expert. I love it. I'm passionate about it. So I want to help more doctors get the message out, get the offer out, make money and change lives. Absolutely. And I'll just put in this aside. When I was starting, before I left my job, I reached out to you. Y'all, she was so gracious. She didn't know me from Adam, but um, definitely, if you're looking for a mentor um, or for someone who just really cares passionately um, about you being your best, then you definitely want to look up Dr. and Judy. Um, and, you know, I thank you for answering the call. You are definitely walking in your purpose. Um, you are changing lives, um, not just for patients, but for other physicians. And it can be scary to step out outside of the traditional system that we've been trained in. And so I thank you for all of the work that you're doing to to help get us out there and, and put a foot in our behind and get us going. <laughs> thank you. And I'm so grateful for our friendship that has developed over the few years since you first reached out. I love that you're in North Carolina. And yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We're in the same state. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all enjoyed uh, this episode. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can definitely uh, go to my site where I have some resources, but listen, just Google some of the topics that we talked about, um, find a direct primary care doctor. Um, you know, let's get started on this journey. So, um, until next time, I hope you will be happier and healthier. Bye-bye. <laughs>